I have to understand that the time that I invest or my children are investing in the academy or the dojo or the kun or the guan or the dojang, that that time is not just a a break even, but it's an investment. It's an investment. It's enhancing the overall quality of of life. It's got benefits in every single direction. Hey guys, welcome to the Map the Martial Arts Professional Podcast. I'm Pete McHugh. With me is Kiyoshi Thomas Clifford. Kiyoshi, how are you? Fantastic. Looking forward to another episode. How are you? I'm doing fantastically well. Things could not be better at the school. We are rocking and rolling. Um, a lot of things are kind of coming together at the same time to uh, to make the school a special place. And, and hopefully everybody across the country, who's li- or even the world, who's listening to this is uh, enjoying the same things that we are right now. Great. What is happening? Get us up to date. I know you have a lot of exciting things on the horizon. So what are some of them? We do. So uh, the school has never been busier in terms of uh, across all metrics. So our student count is higher than it's ever been. Our uh, last month was was the biggest month we've ever had in terms of new enrollments. And uh, attendance is is probably at like the highest. I mean, we've had different ebbs and flows like everybody of of like you know bodies on the mat but um i would say across all all programs we're at like the highest watermark that we've ever had it's great great Great. what else do you have going on i mean you have a big project in the in the works i know you don't want to jinx yourself but (laughs) are you willing to divulge your uh your grandiose master plan here i am i am we're uh we're in the process of buying a building of moving the school down the street and, uh, you know, it's a culmination of a, a few years of, of very hard work, a little bit of planning um, and just taking the leap, a little bit of guidance from people like yourself. But it's coming together. Awesome. Awesome. Outstanding. So what are uh, we're going to get right into the meat of the matter that that in a subject that affects everyone if they're paying attention. And that's, uh, you know, what is it that we're doing to keep our team on track. And we talk about our team, use the word tribe. You know, some people use the word community. I just use the word dojo as a, as a label for all of the people who are most directly affected by what we do. Um, but we're going to talk about how we keep them uh, focused on the mission. So did you want to ask a question, make a statement, where are you at with what? Because you're obviously doing things yeah. well. So what are you doing? Both. I, you know, I want to make a statement. Then I'm going to ask you a question. Uh, my statement is this. I think the best we've ever performed as a team and as a tribe, and I, I do like to use tribe, um, and I, I do like dojo too, but or I like to say academy, and that's kind of like uh, pertinent to jujitsu usually, but – I like the word tribe because it denotes a little bit more than community. Mm. In my, in my opinion, community kind of gives the idea of just neighbors, right? People Mm -hmm. in your vicinity tribe, it's people coming together to work towards a common goal. I think Mm -hmm. it denotes more people looking out for each other, pulling the line and, you know, hierarchy and things like that. Yes. Um, But man, the the best my tribe has ever performed. and, And that means, from the staff to my senior students to the the student body as a whole to the students families like parents and siblings the best we've ever performed um you know firing on all cylinders and 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 making all processes sharp the culture was performing the best the best we've ever done is when we had the clearest most concise goals Mm. um and and for us like you know the most recent goal we had was 300 students which i think I think it's a good, clear, like you said, powerful goal for any school owners, 300 students. Yeah, the 300 club, as it were, uh, you know, this idea of, of influencing directly 300 martial arts participants, you know, active and attending students, it, it, it solves a lot of problems. It, does. It, it fulfills a lot of needs. It, it's a solution to a lot of things that ail us and the, the communities that we live in. 
um, that we're connected to. So, you know, we have a tribe within a tribe. It's, uh, you know, if we look at government, you know, local, state and federal, and then we have this whole global thing there. There are um, these concentric rings, but the one that we directly influence most, uh, at least you and I, and, and a lot of the school owners who are listening, probably the group who we have the most influence with, I don't like to say over, but with are the people in our martial arts school, the people who are directly connected to it. So to give it a number is extremely effective. You know, sometimes people talk about mission statements, part of the, the map acronym, not only is it martial arts professional, it's a master apprentice podcast. Uh, it also stands for mission and passion. And if you can connect people's passion with the mission, you become unstoppable. When someone's passions are not in a line with the mission, they become unstartable. So those things have to align. But if you can't give it a number, if you can't reduce it and simplify it and give it a number, you're in trouble. I'm not saying that it can't be done, but you're in trouble. You have a very difficult row to hoe. So tell me how that informs you. What does that mean to you? Because you and I have been discussing this offline. Um, the idea of a mission statement and how that connects to and interfaces with, integrates with your, uh, your number, your, your quantifiable, measurable, finite goal. Why, why is it so important to have that? Uh, yeah, well, the mission statement, I think in terms of like setting the number and, and having the mission statement behind it, it's it's a good way to, to filter, I guess, what the negative connotations might be behind growth. Mm -hmm. So another way to say that would be, hey, we want to have 500 students. Go, get to work, guys. How might that be misconstrued? We haven't established a powerful why. So right. the number does not, to those who are, you know, need explanation, they, they want to have that powerful why. Yeah. Like, I'll, I think, I think the most, the most powerful way to motivate the people around you and in your tribe anyways, to start with your why, you know, that's Simon Sinek. If you guys haven't seen or read Simon Sinek's, uh, you know, start with why the gist of it is instead of just like uh, talking about your goal and then moving out in those concentric rings that you talked about, the idea is martial arts for us, you know, is this powerful tool to transform your life. Mm. And then the ring outside that would be, you know, we find that having a community and a tribe that functions this way is the most beneficial. And then the ring outside of that would be, we offer jujitsu lessons. Let's get more people enrolled. So, so our, why our, uh, a simple version of our mission uh, amongst our student body from, from three-year-olds all the way up the line is that martial arts is the most effective way to build a stronger body, a sharper mind, and a non-quitting spirit. If I do that for me, it's good for you. And if you do that for you, it's good for me. So, so our why is built around that premise the idea that martial arts serves to help the practitioner build, we say a stronger body. What we mean by that is a healthier body. We say a sharper mind. What we mean by a sharper mind is a healthier mind. And of course, a non-quitting spirit, human spirit. We're not talking about ghosts and goblins. We're talking about a non-quitting human spirit, the will to not give up. If I do that for me, I am helping you. And if you do that for you, you are helping me. So that, that's, a, that's a big part of our why. That's an easy why. Um, we talked last time about an elevator speech. You can rattle that one off rather quickly. But we then want to assign a very definite and deliberate and specific number to it. Um, it could be dream 100 or mission 100, or in your case, I think you, you were a 300 model guy and now you've upped the ante. What have you raised your dream number to 500? 
500. So you've got this mission 500 going on that everybody can sink their teeth into. And it's not confusing. It's quantifiable. You can wrap your heart and mind around it. I think that's important because no matter what mission statement we have as a group, every individual in that group will add to it their own unique reasons why. We'll find in the final analysis that usually those reasons why have more in common than they do in contrast, but they'll express it in different ways. If you were to go through your staff right now and you said, um, what's our mission? Would they all articulate the exact same verbiage or would they put it into their own words? I think just like their jujitsu expresses itself, you know, individually, their mission statement would sound different. And I think that's great. I think that's not just okay. I actually have come to believe that it's more powerful than if we all only memorize a mission statement, but we're not invested into it emotionally. So let's talk about the idea of, uh, of the, the, the relationship between logic and emotion. Um, and we'll relate it to COVID-19, everybody's favorite subject. Now that it's, uh, it's, I don't know if it's <laughs> over, but let's, you know, let's, let's just act like it is. Um, so what people usually have are a lot of emotional feelings around it. And what do they do to justify and validate and back up their emotional feelings toward it? What do they, what do they say? They follow the, follow the science. Yeah. They're trying to find logical reasons, scientific reasons to back up their perhaps irrational response. Um, right. And, and it's the, and, the source of confirmation bias. Yeah. And let me just say that everyone's, response is irrational because everyone's response is emotional but we'll we'll fight tooth and nail to say that you know we have the the scientific data to back it up but we like to cherry pick it and that's a whole nother subject we're not gonna not gonna go into that we're just gonna use it as a, a frame of reference so we can understand this idea what we want to be able to do is is tie in all of our emotional efforts, we're going to call our passion, with a quantifiable mission called 500 students. Because we, we can agree what, about what 500 means. Like you have eight staff members, perhaps, and they have eight different unique reasons why. But our common ground can be 500 students. Does this make sense? Yes. And we can constantly remind ourselves that our goal is 500 and we're this close to it and we're this far away. So if we, we want 500 and we're at 372, we know we're 372 in the right direction, but the remainder is the goal we're working on. We're trying to get to 500. And, and in that effort, we are completely unified. Your reasons why don't conflict with my reasons why they actually complement each other, but we're, we're definitely going for 500. So tell me where, where that, uh, I don't want to say epiphany or Satori moment, but that paradigm shift, uh, has it helped you in the last couple of three weeks? Yeah. Unbelievable. It's been unbelievably, you know, transformative. And look, I, I think we've all any kind of school owner that has a staff, has probably fallen into the trap of setting pretty unclear goals, such as we've got to grow the school. And that doesn't mean anything to anybody. You know, we've got to grow the school just means you guys aren't doing a good job. You've got to do better, which doesn't yeah, help it, anybody. It's just way too vague. It's, 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 and it's not, it's just, it's not inspiring. Listen, man, you, if you want to make an enemy out of someone, you tell them that we're going to do push ups. Like if you tell how many, me how gonna, many how many push-ups? If you tell me we're gonna do push-ups and you don't give me a number, we can't be friends anymore. Like you're 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 playing a game with my mind. And if it's for the purpose of of thinking that you're gonna turn me into an elite uh, military uh, uh, you know, special forces, whatever, there's an argument. There's an argument for the validity of that. But uh, two things is 
is one is uh, that's not going to happen because uh, those 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 days, if they ever were, they're no more. Um, and I'm not interested. I'm just not interested. I'm interested in you telling me how many push-ups we're going to do. If you don't tell me how many push-ups we're going to do and you have me guessing, you're you might not realize it, but you're you're playing a psychological game that is not going to endear me to you or you to I. It's, it's just not unfair. Going, it's yeah. unfair. The other one I don't like, and I'm curious to get your take on this, for a very long time, and, and I think my sense is that this was like the industry standard. Yes. 20 and 15. I don't like 20 and 15, and let me just tell you why real quick. Mm -hmm. Sure. 20 and 15, if you don't know what that means, uh, I think a common goal for, for a school owner to give to their staff is get 20 enrollments and 15 renewals every month. Yes. And I, I don't think that's fair. And I, I don't really like it because the truth is, you know, your staff is kind of at the mercy of a lot of different factors, right? Mm -hmm. So some months you're not going to even have take, be able to take a stab at enrolling 20 students. Mm -hmm. But if you change that paradigm, that, that goal from 2015 to maybe the next tier of, of total student count, what happens when those drier months where you're not enrolling new students, what happens then? Well, I, 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 I don't, I don't want to disagree with you. So I'm not going to disagree. No, we disagree no, all the gonna, time. I'm just, I'm just going to adjust that is that, uh, you know, 500 is the, is the ultimate goal of active student count for now that, that goal might change. It's not going to decrease but when you get to 500, there's a good chance it's going to go to six, but for now, 500 is our, is the bullseye within the bullseye. But 20 and 15 is a set. So we want to do 500 push-ups today. We got to determine in sets of what. So what 20 and 15 represents to me is we're doing, is 12 months in a year, we're doing 12 sets of 20 and 15. However, we can certainly adjust. Yeah. But I like 20 and 15 because it's taking the larger quantifiable goal and it's reducing it into a, a smaller, um, I hate to say realistic. Right. You're saying more attainable, but here's yeah. my argument. My argument is sure. this. If we do away with the 20 and 15, what I think happens is you boil it down to an even smaller set, which is you handle every walk-in, every inquiry, every interaction with students like it's it's the last chance you have to do it because when you try to shoot for that lofty goal of 500 you know you have to shut the back door meaning you can't lose students you know yeah. that every parent you've got to know their name to make them come back you know that every time you do an intro lesson it is it is gold and it's to be treated as such mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so you know let, I, it's let just, me let me adjust. this is not that big of a deal but uh, no it is it is but let me adjust for your numbers because a lot of times fish discover water last your enrollments your abbey leads this month what do you what do you do would you I, share don't, that? I, I, I don't even want to tell you but i will i got yes. 54 leads in may 54. 54 abbey leads abbey so i'm doing zero um paid advertising all uh -huh. abbey leads uh-huh uh-huh yeah i tell you should i say how many enrollments we got from it please 39 39 and you still have some in process don't you yeah we have like uh eight or nine in the pipeline all right now i'm glad you said 39 and you didn't include the eight or nine in the pipeline because you're giving a real number you're not you're not exaggerating the number and the number is still extreme and extraordinary so i would never have you know if if i was in your reality i wouldn't say 20 and 15 you'd be you'd be a maniac i would say like 60 and 45 or, or 60 and 50, I would, I would adjust the goal. Um, again, I, I think that's important. If you put yourself in the position of a school owner and there might be one or two out there who are having a real hard time getting past five enrollments per right. month. Right. So if you're a school owner and you're only doing five a month, you tell me, professor, how quickly you're going to get to 300. It's going to take quite some time. About, the, seven, other, about seven lifetimes. Yeah. So when I when we first opened up, well, actually, I would say the first full-time staff member that I hired, which was a year in, mm -hmm. uh, our goal was 12 and 5. 12 yes. and 5. Yes. 
that's that's appropriate for for just opening up. But I, but I want to be clear that I I changed it. So when it was just me, I set a goal the day I opened my academy. Year one, I want one hundred students. Mm-hmm. Guess how many I got? Two hundred. No, I didn't. I wish I got ninety-seven. Okay, so you so that that's very consistent with the idea. Go ahead. Right. So I I just I I found because I've done both. I've done twenty and fifteen, but. There is for me. Maybe it's just me personally, the way my brain works. It's- yes, it, it it is, and it's again. I'm not gonna. I don't think that. I think the listeners, what they want to do is, uh, what you can get everybody to wrap their heart and mind around, is the total active count, right? Yeah. That's the big picture. Now, when you reduce it down though to the individual, there they can be driven by that common goal but they're going to be driven by individual goals that you and i may not identify with as powerfully i think for a program director and staff who are whose income is dependent upon the success of the school 20 and 15 or 30 and 20 or any any ratio thereof it serves as a, we're going to do this many push-ups, but we're going to do them in sets of. Yeah. And I think it's very important psychologically. It may not, you might not be feeling it right now as Fiona. You know who Fiona is? No. A lot of times people call up and they ask to speak to Fiona. I, it took me a long time to realize <laughs> they're talking about the owner. But, <laughs> but Fiona, when you're Fiona, your mind may be in a different place, particularly if you're not the one who's actually doing all of the intros and doing all of the enrollment conferences and the renewal conferences. Let's not forget for, for many moons, I was not correct. The owner. That's correct. And when you were in that role, I, I believe those smaller quantifiable measurements served you well, just give it, just chew on it. Give it, I will. You know, I will. Yeah. I will. Let, let's let's get back to to this because I like your take on it, and I think it's very important because I have been, you know, an employee, a staff member, and I have, and I am now the owner. And you're still um, an employee and still a staff member. I, well, I yeah, more so than than my yes. staff. Yes. Um, I've actually got like four jobs. They've they've yes. got one. One yes. thing I wanted to ask you about is when you're on the other side of it, when you're not the owner. And you say things like, we need 500 students, but you don't position it the proper way. It can sound, and I've seen it like this, it can sound like, you know, I need 500 students. And if you leave in, if you leave like fill in the blank, it, it turns in, in the other people's heads, it turns into, we need 500 students because I, you know, I want to buy a new building or we need 500 students because my ego needs to have more. Mm-hmm. You know, that's yeah. the importance oh, yeah. of, of positioning things, you know, like you said, the mission statement the proper way. Yes. Like, yes. Like, like you what, have are, 500... what are some other concepts around that? Because you, you speak really well to this. Okay. Well, let's let's talk about first the antithesis. I, I want you to visualize this uh, open field of property, you know, like 15 acres of undeveloped land. And what I want you to picture over there is a beautiful seven-bedroom home with a in-ground and indoor swimming pool. There's a barn over there, literally for the horses because your kids love them. There's a tennis court. There's a gym. Um, it's 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 got uh, it's got three guest bedrooms in addition to the seven bedrooms. And I want you to just close your eyes and imagine that if you work really really hard someday. All of that can be mine. <laughs> and, and that's one of the, the, the idiotic approaches that um, a moron will use to try to motivate and inspire individuals uh, on, on the same team. And it's, it's complete lunacy. It's, it's, it does not speak to what's in it for me. Meaning if I'm communicating with staff, students, families, friends, and I'm only talking about what I am interested in getting from this, uh, it alienates people and rightly so. And rightly so. Like yeah. if, if, if that rub, if that 
kind of a, an approach and a strategy has ruptured relationships, you're lucky because hopefully you've learned a lesson. You've learned a lesson. You've learned that that approach is absolutely erroneous and idiotic. So I have to make sure people understand why 500 martial arts students training feverishly toward the minimum goal of black belt benefits every one of those students and every one of the people who those students interface with. And it goes back to when I build a healthier body and a healthier mind and I cultivate a non-quitting spirit, meaning that when I get to the point where I want to give up, I don't give up. It serves me and it serves everyone who I'm related to. And when I say related to, it serves everyone who I interact with. It serves my friends, my family, my acquaintances, others. Uh, every relationship I have is only enhanced. It cannot be diminished by me being healthier, by me having a non-quitting spirit. I think, look, it's, I, I think it's easy to get your, your staff to, to share your vision because we interact with them so much. I think they do look up to us, you know, as they should in, in, in that, that setting. Yes. We're, the, Let, challenge, the challenge would be re, this. We got to reverse the scripting. So go ahead. All right. So my question was going to be, if, if for, let's take a, a, a hypothetical school that has, I don't know, 360 students. And let's say, you know, they teach jujitsu and they, they yes. have a dream to get to 500 students. Yes. And classes are already pretty packed. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And when you share this dream with your entire student body, especially the parents of the younger students, what might be the hesitancy to, to get on board? That somebody has an erroneous association with the growth of the school and the fact that they don't feel like they're experiencing progress in the moment. So whenever someone feels like they're not improving, like they're not moving in the right direction, they are not getting what it is that they came there for originally, they're not improving, they're not growing, they're not changing in all the right ways. One of the first things they'll associate that plateau or backsliding with is everybody else. They'll play the blame game. And the blame game uh, is going to attach itself to how many people are in the school. And it, you see this in, in every segment of our culture. Like it's, you know, the reason why, the reason why I don't have a job is not because I don't want to have a job. The reason why I don't have a job is because other people have the job that I want. Yeah, just That's, like just like it, I'm not I'm not getting better because the the school's too small. Yeah, it's and I'm not it, getting better because the school's too big. Yeah, it's stinking thinking. It's it's and it's it's a very tempting um, piece of bait to bite. Well, how but, how would you how would you deal with a parent who who is resistant to the idea of having more kids on the mat? Well, first with compassion, I've learned to recognize that. This person is wounded, hurting, and in pain. So I have to have compassion. I have to recognize that there's a, you know, in Chinese medicine, we probably call it a shen disturbance. And, uh, you know, something wrong with their, their spirit. There's a, they're, they're locked into this thing that we have a famine going on. There's scarcity. There's a lack. It's, the, look, the same person who wants the redistribution of wealth hasn't recognized that the only way to redistribute wealth is through education. And the only way to redistribute wealth through education is to be better at learning, is to be better at learning. Yes. If you're better at learning, then, then when there's 360 people in the school and you're better at learning, you have 359 instructors. But when you're not good at learning and you've kind of delegated your destiny to the to the dictates of demagogues, you you start to divorce yourself from the responsibility of being the learner. And while you're in this incredibly resourceful environment of a whole bunch of people who are not stopping you 
from achieving your goals. They're supporting you. You you start to cynically perceive them as the competition rather than your colleagues, rather than your co-conspirators. We're all working toward the same ultimate end. We want a healthier body, a healthier mind, and a non-quitting spirit. And, you know, I'm not preventing that from happening for you. The only person I'm preventing that from happening for is me. So it's a, you, you have to approach it with some compassion because that, that person is not a bad person. They, they've just bought into a paradigm that is, uh, that is, it's not only not self-serving, it's self-sabotaging. They're just convinced that my kid's messing up in school because he's not the only one there. Like if my if my son was the only one in the algebra class, the algebra te- the algebra bra teacher would have a, a better time algebraing my son. But the teacher does not algebra the son. The the teacher's there as a resource and a wonderful resource. And everyone can avail themselves to that resource. But if they suck at learning, if they haven't figured out that it's it's really up to them to go in there and convert their frustration to fascination and their irritation to interest, they're in trouble. They're handicapping themselves. And this gets validated. And it's, listen, it's probably good business, but it's bad martial arts. Look, the good business angle is like, oh, you're, you know, Poindexter's having a problem figuring out how to stand up straight. Well, maybe he needs some private lessons. Cha-ching. Now, now I say cha-ching and I say it with cynicism and sarcasm because if the motive is not in the best interest of Poindexter, it's it's a bad move. Yeah, it's grimy. it's a grimy, it's slimy, it's and it's not it's, it's not sustainable. You can't have that type of business practice. It, it's just term. bad all around. It's your look, I I don't want far be it from me to contribute to the stupidity of an idiot. There should be a that might not maybe it shouldn't be part of criminal code, but in the civil code, that should be like, you know, a a, a law, you know, that that you've been cited for contributing to the stupidity of an idiot. <laughs> so I, I don't want to do that. I, I, you know, like if the, if the child is eager and enthusiastic, if the adult is eager and enthusiastic and they really have a clear intention, you'll find them to be unstoppable. But if you find someone who does not have a clear intention, uh, you're going to realize that they're unstartable. It, it goes into the, the realm of, um, the the idea of attention deficit disorder uh and in attention deficit disorder what the well-meaning idiot tries to do is remove the distractions but uh let's look at like how a radio functions the old style radio that we we choose a radio station we don't tune out all of the radio stations that we're not interested in listening to. We tune in to the one that we want to listen to. And in effect, the others are tuned out, but we don't, we don't tune out a bazillion different stations. We tune into the one we want because that's our intention. If someone has a clear intention, attention naturally follows. So, you know, you are off in a tangent. No, we're not. No, we're not. Because the, the main issue around the class is too big is the reason why I'm not getting the results I expected is the other people. Yes. It's the blame game. So as a school owner, we need to, from the jump, get people to value and appreciate those other people who are their classmates. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a big caveat there, and and you made some some great points in terms of like psychology uh-huh. and conditioning because you know I'm a parent now, and 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 I even find myself being conditioned in the same way. Yeah, that smaller class sizes at school are better. That we need more teachers at school. Yes, and uh, you know the the professional instructor. I mean, notes better because I I understand what happens when my kid is interacting with other kids. 
you know, everything is on a continuum. Like everything is graded on a curve. And guess what happens when you've got more kids in the same activity? Some kids are going to, you know, rise to the top. But what mm-hmm. happens when more kids rise to the top? What happens to my kid? Does she sink to the bottom? No, she's no, pull, she's no. pulled ahead. Exactly. But we have with this comparison based identity where, um, you know, I, I, I had an experience once where I was the smartest kid in the class because I was the only kid in the class and it wasn't, it didn't do much for me being the smartest kid in the class. When I was the only kid in the class, uh, the bloom was off the rose in a flash. It, it, it didn't do anything for me. It didn't, it didn't add any inches to my height. It, it reduced me. It didn't enhance me. It diminished me. It's not impressive. Like, uh, you know, uh, gee, Johnny's so much more well-behaved when he's by himself. Well, first of all, he's not. He's not, if you pay careful attention. Second of all, so what, big deal, big whoop, who cares? Like, what I want is to see how my children are able to interact with other human beings. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, like, and this, like, again, this goes back to, like, um, these poor kids, the, they've, they've been encouraged to become zombies and they've had a year off of physical education. We've, we've pretended to not notice that there's, there's four other classrooms in school that make the academic classrooms pale in comparison. And those four classrooms are, uh, where the arts are taught. Well, yeah, where the arts are taught. That where the gymnasium, where physical education takes place, the playground, where children learn more from each other, good and bad, than we can ever teach them, and then the cafeteria, where again they learn more from each other than we could ever teach them. They also have a foray into something that's been trivialized, which is nutrition. Yes, and we failed miserably there because, like, a lot of people like to make judgment about you know, what's on the menu, but the kids didn't put it there. The kids didn't put it there. So if you want to save the world, sweetie, start with the food that the kids are stuffing into their faces and worry a little bit less about, about how the algebraic equation is solved. Yeah. So, and again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trivializing that either. The academic part is important, but let's not overlook the other one. So here we are a year into Zumbiism, and I don't know if you're seeing it, but uh, some of the kids don't aren't walking normally. I have kids coming back who've been who've been sitting in a chair and laying on a couch and you know haven't left the house, and uh, I have to refrain from having conversations about veal. And 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 <laughs> how's that? How's that? self-restraint working for you not easy because i you know when when i open my mouth a lot of things fall out so so it's it's kind of been a horror story so we go back to are we interested in our children uh being the king the one-eyed man who's king in the land of the the blind the blind are we interested in them thriving to their fullest potential regardless of where they fit on the comparison continuum. Well, that that's an important point to bring up because, you know, you said to me, you don't get to be a general without an army and you yeah. don't really get to be a general of an army without lieutenants and sergeants and, and captains. Likewise, my daughter has no chance at leadership if there's nobody like her peer group around her. And in the same vein, I don't, my daughter doesn't have to be the general of every group she walks into. She's got to learn how to play the role of captain. She's got to play, learn to play the role of the good soldier. She's got to, to learn to recognize when she's like the D list soldier in the group, because yes. it's going to teach her and motivate her to move forward, to do okay. better, to climb the ranks. Right. So here's the, here's the, if you want a, a very simple philosophical perspective on this is, it, um, see, it's always my kid's turn. And you can take that to mean one of two things. There are people who believe it's always their kid's turn because their kid, when their kid's up at bat, deserves more than three strikes. And it's their turn and they're going to take everybody else's turn. And that's 
ludicrous. That's that's crazy. That's um, it's self-indulgent. It's narcissistic. It's um, it leads to catastrophe. It's dysfunctional. We, where we see it playing out. Then there's it's always my child's turn. And it's always my turn in a way that actually serves society. See, it is always your turn. If you if, let's go back to the baseball metaphor is uh, sometimes it's it's our turn to be in the dugout. And sometimes it's our turn to be out in the field. Sometimes it's my turn to be up at bat. Sometimes it's not my turn to be up at bat, but it's still my turn. It's always my turn. And if I start to think like this is downtime, it's somebody else's turn right now. And I'm sitting there either waiting too patiently or too impatiently for me to get my moment in the spotlight, I'm missing out on a great deal of a thing called my life. Experience. Yeah, my life. It's always my turn. So so when you go to the movies, it's your turn to watch the movie. It's also your turn to shut up. It's your turn to, to, to act like a human being when you're in the movie theater and, you know, not communicate on your cell phone or, uh, you know, get up and do jumping jacks or any other uh, example of erroneous activity. It's your turn to sit down and shut up and enjoy the movie. And, and the people who are in that movie, it was their turn to be in that particular movie. It wasn't someone else's turn. It was their turn, but it's always our turn. And, and if I send my child to school with the idea that uh, right now it's your turn to be the leader, uh, Calissa, because the teacher said it's your turn to be the leader. In other words, you've been appointed and anointed leader of the class. So maybe you get to get up and you're the one who leads the other kids to the Pledge of Allegiance if that hasn't become a felony. Uh, maybe it's your turn to have some responsibilities uh, that the other kids don't necessarily have on that day because responsibilities and leadership have an intrinsic connection. But uh, you know whose turn it is to be a leader today in addition to yours, Calissa? It's Susan's turn. Because Susan doesn't only have formal authority because she's been anointed. She actually has moral authority because she's set herself apart through her, her own achievements her accomplishment and her social emotional social emotional intelligence to be recognized amongst her peers as a leader, not for what she's taken, but for what she's given, not, not for how she's hurt people, but for how she's helped them. So it's her turn and she's earned it. So we earn our turn when it comes to the spotlight, but it's always our turn, whether we're in it or not to aspire toward it. But again, if we think somehow somebody's taken up my turn, you know, I would be the president of the United States right now if it were not for the the way the election was orchestrated. Let's use the word orchestrated. Um, uh, it probably wouldn't have been. It, 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 it's I'm the reason why I'm not the president of the United States right now is not the Democratic Party's fault. It's not the Republican Party's fault. The reason I'm not the president of the United States right now is my fault and everyone should be delighted. I know I am. Yes. But, but again, we have a, there's this collective consciousness around, if it's your turn, it's not mine. Well, the, I, I'm glad you brought this all up and, and you did it very clearly because this is, a psychological phenomenon that we're all going to be dealing with. Right. And it ties directly into our, our goal of growth. Yes. And, you know, I know you got to get going so we can wrap it up, but I do want to point out like to come full circle, we have to have clear, concise goals because without them, we're just floundering in the wind. Right. We're not rowing the boat in the right direction. And then beyond that, if we're not controlling, I guess you could say the messaging, Yes. Which, which which does not have to be very direct. It, it's really done through having the, the proper culture of your school. And go ahead. Well, well you, you know, you have to be what you want to see. So you've got to you've got to have you've got to be able to lick your finger, and put it in the wind 
to get a feeling like if, if the majority of your parents respond to a packed class with a negative reaction, that's telling you that your messaging is off. It's you're, also telling you that you're not really good at teaching a big packed class. I'll give you a real good one. Cause, cause this is, it's, you know, it's, I think it's called cognitive dissonance. You have a lot of people who are, they're scripted in the belief that like a packed classroom is the reason for all academic failure you know look that's a convenient narrative like it's a very i mean we could we could write a book about like why that is and why people believe that and and oh how convenient but what really is fascinating is, is when you have people who are deeply scripted in if the class is too big people can't make progress and they're sitting there watching it happening like right before their eyes you see it you've seen it in your lobby yeah. You've seen it where the parents are looking at the class and like, it's not just their kid who's getting better. They're all getting better. And they're, they're all enjoying the fact that they're all getting better. They're not feeling like you're getting better is ruining my getting better. Like you're, you're stealing my thunder. No jackass. Nobody can steal your thunder, but you can certainly give it away. You can yeah. certainly give it away. And it's, it's really fascinating when you see people who are deeply of the belief consciously that if there's too many kids or too many adults in the class, that how could I possibly get better uh, while they're getting better? And you, 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 you almost see the smoke coming out of their ears because their brain is working in, in two different directions. They're, they're emotionally invested in uh, too many kids in the class ruins it, but the logic is right before them. The logic is right. Before, you can't, they can't deny that. Wow. They, they, they really are getting better. And that not only are they getting better, my kid's happy. Like, and, and I, now I have to decide, do I want to unhappy my kid by separating my child from an environment where he or she is thriving so that I can support my lunacy and, 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 you know, say I, I took my kid out of the program because there were too many other kids. There were too many other kids benefiting. I couldn't endure the idea that my child was the only one uh, who was thriving, that, that these other kids were thriving too. I couldn't en endure. I couldn't tolerate that possibility. So I had to remove myself from it. Now, the good news is nobody does that. The good news is, is that they convert quickly to the belief that, Less is actually less and yes. more is actually more. And in an alternate universe, you could you could convince yourself to believe that less is more and more is less. But that's hocus pocus. Now, look, less I, I, is less and more is more. Yeah. My experience has been when things are functioning well, when the academy is, is doing well and the culture is 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 strong and communication is strong the parents are are either are are just as excited about a packed class or even more excited and impressed than you are so this this goes back they, to like they 500 the students of the school yeah 500 students solves a lot of problems because you can't get there unless people feel that way the fact of the matter is if you have a an environment where people aren't making progress, where they aren't getting better, where their state of consciousness th through the martial arts training isn't altered in a desirable way, you're not going to get the 500. You're not going to get the 50. I mean, you might get the 50. There's, yeah. there's, there's 50 maniacs. Every yeah. You'll have, you'll have 50 dysfunctional adults. Yes. In, in a, in a in very a, dysfunctional environment. In an insane asylum. But, but, but when you get to 500, it means a lot of good things are going on. And, and look, it's nice to be pushed back. I don't, I've learned to embrace and appreciate. I've actually learned to love the idea that you have a few people who are contrarian and they're, they're, they're a little bit oppositional to the idea of growth. What it does, what that pushback does is have us double down on our efforts to prove why our position, the one we believe in is correct and in their best interest. So I don't, I'm not against the pushback. Like yeah. I'm not going to throw them out because 
they make a comment about, oh, my God, the classes have gotten so big. I mean, what else are they going to say? Are they going to is Mrs. McGillicuddy going to tell you I'm really impressed with their De La Hiva guard and, and the way they take the back? And, you know, uh, what's that move? The the dragon? What? Tell me that one. The, the kiss of the dragon. The kiss yeah, of no, the dragon. They don't. They don't. They're they not don't commenting care. on the kiss of the dragon. The one no, thing that they can comment on are the numbers. They can talk about the numbers. They can talk yeah. about. Oh my well, god. Well, they they can they can also talk about the structure of the class. They could they could comment on how well people are are interacting together. They can yes. talk about how much command of the class the instructor has. Yes, yes. And and again, like we have to be compassionate and recognize that it does drive people. You know, look, you're in the game, you're in the club. Like you're 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 a dad. I'm a dad. Like I get it. Like I walk on my mat and there's I got 62 kids and I say, you know, Tin! And they snap to attention. They're standing straight up. They're happy. They're in state. They're they're looking, smelling, feeling like a million bucks. And then I walk into my own house and I love my children, you know, 12, six and two. And it's madness. It's chaos. It's like uh, I can't get the three of them to do the same thing at the same time ever. Like, I can't get all three of them to sit down and have breakfast. That's not a reflection on I have too many kids. That's a reflection on two things, reality and poor parenting skills. But I, but I don't start saying to myself, like, maybe I got to get rid of one of them. Yeah. Like, maybe if I get rid of one of them. Yeah. Like, so, so again, it's, it, it must be frustrating to a parent if they're not putting in perspective that, your role, look, you got these kids two or three times a week and you have your own children 24 seven and you know, darn well that, that it's a little bit different. It's a little bit different. Like um, my children, I think they're happy to see me, but they're used to it. It's not the novelty's worn off. <laughs> yeah. And, and as a professor in jujitsu yourself, uh, as an instructor in my, in my dojo, I have a little bit more leverage. It's different that, and that makes someone who's insecure sometimes a little bit frustrated instead of fascinated, a little bit irritated instead of interested. And they'll often throw out the baby with the bathwater. They'll separate themselves and their child from that environment because they couldn't reconcile the reality of it. And That's then, and then when they go on to the next environment, what happens How they, they, they experience that? the same thing but worse well and i think the regret sets in I think yeah oh yeah their yeah. eyes are open up to reality yeah um look i just i want to point out this it might have seemed as though we went off topic but i would disagree i think it's important that you can understand the psychology behind these things and more importantly maybe articulate these things if you can't articulate these things it's going to be nearly impossible to get your entire tribe moving in the same direction because you're going to have that contrarianism you're going to have those people who are conditioned to, to think one way and yes. it is it, the onus is on us to be able to articulate the benefits of what we believe in a huge part of that if like if you feel like well i don't i when i say it it doesn't sound as good or it doesn't um what you want to become an expert at more than you certainly want to be able to verbalize it. You certainly want to be able to write it down. You certainly want to be able to express it through uh, spoken and written communication. But most important of all is you want to draw attention to it when it's happening. So the ability to recognize, reward, and reinforce the behaviors that you want to have continue is what we have to be experts in. So you got to draw attention to it when it's happening. In other words, when you have a massive class and everyone's peak performing, you want to draw as much attention to that as possible. You have to nab the focus and get people to nab or notice, appreciate and believe the value of what's going on. So they don't think it's coincidence. They have to think that it's causal, that yes. the intensity is a direct consequence of the numbers that maximum participation leads to maximum progress that that maximum attendance leads to maximum achievement and if they don't see that those things are directly related they might delude themselves into believing it's coincidence let's close with this let's close with this if i have a school in the same town as you do uh and there's 25,000 people 
within a 10 mile radius, 25,000 people. And there's probably more than that if you, if you know the demographics of your community. But in a 10 mile radius, we have 25,000 people. And if the two of us are, are, if we think we're fighting over the same 500, we're wrong. Like if you have 500 and I don't, it's not because you got the 500. Do you understand this? It's not like the 500 that you have would be with me if it were not for you. No, 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 no. You attracted those 500 people into that school. Uh, whether I was there or not, that would have happened. And if I don't have 500, if I have 50, um, whether you were there or not, that would have happened too. Because if we switch schools, you know what's going to happen in a very short period of time. Those numbers will just switch. Yeah, yeah, because it's a direct reflection of our leadership. It's a, it's a direct reflection of our leadership. Um, a child's uh, position on the baseball team to be chosen to pitch ought to be a direct reflection and consequence of their ability to pitch. Not the fact that not the fact that my kid would be pitching, uh, but that kid's on the mound instead. No, 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 no. Uh, that kid can put the ball over the plate in the batter's box nine out of ten times. Your child is not yet capable of making it to the mound or, or making it to the plate. They can't throw the ball that far. That is not because the other kid is on the pitcher's mound. That is because your child is not there yet, but how lucky he or she is to have a role model like Jimmy, who's throwing the fastball and paving the way and showing your son how it's done. But it's very easy to bite the bait and assume that the, the only reason why I'm not the, the leader of the most powerful nation in the world once upon a time is because somebody else is. Yeah, and I, I don't have 1,500 students because I'm not in Manhattan. Yeah, there's, there's, there, there's, uh, there's, some, there's some erroneous thinking. There are more than 1,500 people in your community who would significantly benefit from a well-run martial arts program. It's incumbent upon us to run it. Right. The well-run part is the part that we have to be responsible for. If we get the, the well-run part down, there'll be more people beating a path to our door. Right. So set the goal, set the lofty goal, do the work, communicate the idea, and get it done. And, get, and, and everybody will be on board with it if they're making progress. Progress is the most important part of this, is, is I have to be made to understand and to experience and perceive that the time, not the money, the time that I'm investing, because I can get the money back. I've, we could, you know, you could, you could blow a lot of money and make it back, but that time you can never get back. And I have to be, I have to understand that the time that I invest or my children are investing in the academy or the dojo or the Kuhn or the Guan or the Dojang, that that time is not just a, a break even, but it's an investment. It's an investment. It's enhancing the overall quality of, of life. It's got benefits in every single direction. And that and that's what that's what makes a a, a trail or a path that gets beaten to your door. And it, it it happens electronically as well as you're experiencing with your with your Abby website. It's not it's not an accident. I mean Abby, we gotta give Abby a tremendous amount of credit. But we also have to give you the credit there. They're not just stumbling upon your website. You're being sought out. You know, you become a, a real influencer in your community. And what would you rather be? An influence in a community that you can actually interface with? Or would you rather be an influencer on Instagram with people who not only do you not know, you'd probably prefer not to? <laughs> So yeah, I so think you know the answer. Yeah. So we, you know, we, we're lucky, you know, this, this is, I couldn't think of a better profession. And if you could think of a better profession, that's the one you ought to be in. No, look, man, look at what we get to do. Even on this podcast, we get to just talk about how to make our service to our community better, how yeah. to grow our, our, our tribe. It. 
I love everything about it. I even, I've learned to love the things about it that I don't love about it because the things that I don't love about it present the challenge. You know, again, if I, I have to, I have to be what I want to see. I have to, I have to project what I expect. I used to, I used to have a lot of problems with the way other people did things. And I have, I have very little control over that, but you know what? I have direct control over the way I do things. So, you know, when it grinds your gears that somebody is doing something in their martial arts school that you don't like, don't do it. Make sure that what you're doing in your martial arts school is consistent with your your values and your principles and your virtues and and everything that's consistent with the the technical specifics of your martial art. Fix it in your own dojo fix it in your own martial arts school you know be what you expect to see so let's uh let's wrap it man let's 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 look forward to our next episode we're gonna try to do a couple more uh a little more quickly because we had some uh we had a gap so yeah we're off but uh this was great man i had a a good talk thank you thank you sir i look forward to the next time take care guys